Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 82nd episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast, everybody. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. This week, we are revisiting with an old friend in Paul Caputo. Paul is a contributing writer to SportsLogos.net, where he really dives into the history of MILB logos. He even wrote a book entitled The Story Behind the Nickname, The Origins of 100 Classic Contemporary and Wacky Minor League Baseball Team Names. Hint, hint. I made the book. I'm in there. Go check it out. Paul also runs a Facebook page called Countdown to Spring Training. He's also an extreme ice cream helmet Sunday collector and enthusiast. Can't wait to talk to him about that again. Make sure to go back and listen through the catalog, folks. I really cannot stress that enough. Um, Paul's been on there. He was in episode 11. Um, so there's 81 other great episodes, awesome people, amazing backgrounds, um, working in minor league baseball. Um, everybody has so many different stories. It's amazing. Go check out the old episodes. Um, I really want to give some shout outs, folks. And the best way to get one, it's very, very simple. Drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. I know a lot of you listen on Spotify, but if you have an iPhone, go check out that purple icon that already came on your phone. It's called Apple Podcasts. Look up the Pulling Tart Podcast on there. Leave us a review and a rating. Um, that would be fantastic. Um, and of course, I'll give you a shout out here on the pod. In case you missed it, I finally decided to make a designated Twitter account for the podcast. So go ahead and follow that at Pulling Tarp Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tarp Podcast and reach out to come on as a guest. Um, I did make a promise on there. Once we get up to 200 followers, I will seriously, seriously look into getting merch for the podcast. Um, and we're at 148 followers. So um, get us to 200 and I've I've kicked around the idea of getting merch before, but if we get up to 200, I will seriously actually look into it. Um, life's been busy lately, but I still want to get some merch. So um, let's get up to 200 followers on Twitter at Pulling Tarp Pod. Um, you can always follow me on Twitter, uh, my personal account. Um, that is it's R A Coon. That's I T S R A C O O N. Um, always looking for, um, businesses to sponsor the podcast. So I'll reach out on either Twitter handle there. Uh, with that being said, let's chat once again with our good friend, Paul Caputo. Paul.
Paul, welcome back onto the Pulling Tart Podcast. How does it feel to be the first repeat guest on the pod? Well, Bobby, it feels, I mean, it feels totally, I mean, first of all, I'm honored. I, I super appreciate that you, you would have me on. I know I'm not the typical guest on, on your podcast, right? I don't have that that insider knowledge of a, of a particular uh, baseball operation or, you know, I've never worked in minor league baseball explicitly, but my, my experience with you going back to my early days of writing for sports logos.net. I know we're going to talk about this later. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a really formative moment for me when you and I got to hang out at the Beloit snappers game sort of early in both of our minor league baseball uh, careers there. So so I feel I feel like it feels really appropriate. It feels like coming home a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you having me back on because it's always so much fun to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, same with you. It's always so much fun. Um, <laughs> we're gonna dive into the story about how we met um, here shortly, but you've you've also traveled around um, to so many different parks and met so many different people that do work in minor league baseball and like the biggest fans in minor league baseball. So, um, and I love your, your insight on all the logos as well. So, um, I mean, it's, it's a pleasure to have you back. Well, I can't wait, Bobby. I can't wait to delve into this because it's, it's so much fun. I, I, and I have to say, I love your podcast. I love what you're doing. And I just, you know, I think it's a great service that you're doing for fans of the industry to, to bring these inside stories to 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 minor league baseball fans because it's a huge part of of you know working in minor league baseball and understanding that you know the the the, the nitty gritty details the intensity that it takes the long hours the low pay like it's just such a in many ways it's a thankless job I know right <laughs> and and you bring those stories and you highlight the people who are doing these things to bring minor league baseball to all of us and it's. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing a huge service for the industry, and it's awesome, it's fun, and it's interesting. So thank you for doing what you do. Absolutely. I mean, I had this idea for for years before I got out of minor league baseball, but never had the time to do it because I was working, you know, pretty right. much, you know, around the clock. Um, so, so yeah, it, when, I got, when I got out, when I put in my two weeks, I ran it by a couple of people in the industry, and I said, "Hey, what if, what if I did this with like my newfound time?" Um, and they were like, "Good idea, great idea, do it." And and so fantastic, yeah. I I'm uh, glad you got that support. What is this episode 82? episode eighty two? Yeah, yeah, so, fantastic. Well, thank you, thank you. Um, so. With the restrictions being lifted and then maybe coming back again, um, did you? I know you got a chance to do some minor league baseball traveling this past year, um, especially to Montana on a trip that I was invited to. Um, uh. But I just I wasn't super comfortable hopping on an airplane at that point and i'm going to have to get on an airplane in december i know that much um but also it was pretty hard to to convince my wife to go to montana um for you know you know you you would have been the only person that i have met in person on that trip um which we're gonna dive in um later but twitter friends are are real friends um so 
but I we hadn't even gone on our honeymoon yet because of COVID, and we're go we're, that's where we're going in December. So I couldn't really convince my wife to go to Montana with people that <laughs> people that I've never met before before we go on our honeymoon. Um, right. So, um, where else did you get to go this, this season? And yeah, just name a few of your favorite places that you visited. So there were sort of three three distinct experiences that I had. Um, the The first one was very beginning of the baseball season. It was it was April of this year. We were just coming out of the sort of first wave of COVID. Like things were, you know, the vaccine was just starting to kick in a little mm-hmm. bit. It was starting to look like, you know, things were going to open up and that the trajectory just looked all good. This was before the COVID, uh, the the Delta variant, right? Like, yeah. So this was this was when it just started feeling like, okay, maybe we're getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. I had my first work trip since 2019 uh, was to uh, Palm Springs, California. Uh, we're okay. doing a conference there later this year. Um, and I decided to fly to Los Angeles. Uh, I have a buddy in Los Angeles, Jeremy. And uh, his awesome girlfriend, Alex, got us these amazing tickets uh, for a Dodgers game. Ooh, nice. So we went... My first game in a year and a half was a Dodgers game, and we're all masked up, right? And it was like, it was weird to be around people again, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oddly, Trevor Bauer pitched, and I was just like, oh, I was like, my first game in a year and a half, and I got to see Trevor Bauer. Right. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I mean, that was that was an amazing experience, just to be back in a ballpark, to be there with friends. Um, and then the, the next day, from Los Angeles to Palm Springs is about four hours, we drove to Lake Elsinore. Okay. And uh, we saw a Lake Elsinore storm game. There, Jeremy and Alex handed me off to uh, to my to my work friends, uh, Song and James. And so the five of us went to a Lake Elsinore storm game, and that was my first minor league baseball game since August of 2019 when I was at the uh, Gwinnett Stripers. Uh, that was the, the last stop on Baseball Palooza 2019. Baseball Palooza, we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, that's my my annual road trip that I do with college buddies. There's okay. about you know nine or ten of us every year. It's a slightly shifting group, but it's the same sort of core group of guys, and we do a, a trip to a different part of uh, the United States each year. Um, but the Montana trip that you're talking about, uh, I actually it was part college visits with my son, who's a senior in high school right now. Okay, um, and then part you know just doing a road trip, and so we didn't have to fly, right? So yeah. that part of the equation, it was about. The day one of the trip for uh, my my kids Joel and Maya and I we, uh, Joel's driving now so we shared the driving. There you go. We, I know, right? It's insane. Um, but we drove to Billings, Montana. Uh, it was all Pioneer League, right? So we okay. drove to Billings, Montana uh, for the Billings Mustangs, and then the next day we drove to Missoula, and I'll come back to that game. We saw the Missoula Paddleheads, and then Great Falls Voyagers, and then the Idaho Falls Chuckers. Okay. The highlights of the trip. First of all, in Missoula, uh, that's the trip that you're. That's the game that you're talking about, mm-hmm. where um, uh, a gentleman named Glenn uh, Weiger or Weiger. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope I, I'm saying his name right, but he's Glenn Tasman on Twitter. He sort of orchestrated this uh, this gathering of you know some of the, the the Twitter friends that we've made out there. Yeah, and um, the the guys from Baseball Mapper, whose map I use all the time uh, for. Uh, you know, planning road trips and what and whatnot. Patrick and Corey, they were they were there from Baseball Mapper, and then I, I think everyone knows 
uh, Eric Mertens, who sort of shares a, a, the, the same form of a Twitter handle that you have, right? Yes. He's, uh, he is, it's Eric Mertens. Uh, yep. So he and his uh, lovely, lovely partner, Karina, were there. They're the most adorable couple you'll ever see. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, some of the you know, nicest people you'll ever meet. So it was awesome. We had never met, I had never met any of these folks in person. We sat at the fire pits, uh, and it was, you know, a billion degrees. It was during the heat wave that was you okay. know, going on in the upper Midwest at this point. But we got, you know, we got these these seats around fire pits that came with some prepaid concessions and whatnot. Um, Eric, of course, knows everybody. He knew the equipment yep. manager. And so every time, uh, every time a player would break a bat, the equipment manager would go get it and bring us a broken bat, right? And so we all yeah, left yeah. with broken bats from the game. Um, so it was, it's like you say, I mean, it's people that you get to know over Twitter and then you meet them in, in real life and it's, you know, it's a genuine friendship, right? Like, it's yeah. just like, you're glad to see them. And then, you know, now that you have that personal connection, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a real sort of fun thing to, to know them and to meet them in person. And it felt like, felt like we had known them all along, right? Like when we're hanging out there at the game. And right. so, so that was awesome. Um, and then Idaho Falls, uh, I have to bring that up because they, speaking of Twitter, they told me once they just on, I tweeted something about like, I got to get to an Idaho Falls Chuckers game. And they're like, well, if you do let us know and we'll have you throw out the first pitch. <laughs> and sure enough, they were good to their word. Right. Like wow. I, I, I went there and so me and my kids tolerated this trip. Right. Like, I mean, they like the ice cream and they like the concessions. They like driving around the country. Um, you know going to four baseball games in four days might not necessarily be the thing that they chose to do, but they were putting up with me <laughs> for it. Uh, we went whitewater rafting too. So Ooh, that was cool. That's cool. Um, but uh, at Idaho falls, I threw out the first pitch to Billy Hunter, right? Like Ooh. former major leaguer, major leaguer, Billy Hunter. That's cool. And uh, wow. yeah, it was really very funny actually, because they were like, um, you know, we walked out there and he's, he's like, you know, so you're going to throw to Billy Hunter and, and I'm just like, oh, okay, that's super cool, right? Like, and I, I recognize the name. I had to go back and look him up later to see where he played and everything. But it's funny because um, I, I like telling this story where I was going into my windup from right in front of the mound, and I'm just thinking, don't bounce it, don't bounce it, don't bounce it. And just as I'm getting ready to throw the, the, the um, general manager of the Chuckers, for whatever reason, I don't know what he saw and what I was doing that made him say this, he goes, not too hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm like, I'm, throwing, I'm a 48 year old man throwing a ball to a, a former major leaguer. I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so anyway, so that was really cool, and it was just you know sort of perpetuates this theory that I have that just like everyone in minor league baseball is amazing and so like gracious and welcoming and and fun. Um, the the baseball palooza trip this year, we did lose a couple of guys uh, who have unvaccinated kids at home because they're too young. Yeah. And, you know, didn't want to join us. So we were, we only had seven this year. Normally it would have been like nine or 10. Okay. Um, but we did the, the highlight of that trip. I mean, we, we saw some cool things, right? We saw uh, the Wichita Wind Surge, their new stadium, Oklahoma City Dodgers. They have a beautiful ballpark, even if they're named for their parent club, which I object to. Right. Uh, Northwest well. Arkansas Naturals and the Kansas City Monarchs. But honestly, one of the highlights of the trip was to go to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum yeah. with all these guys. And I know you know who Bob Kendrick is. Uh, he's the president of the museum. He's mm -hmm. all over TV. He's everywhere. He's yeah. such a great spokesperson for the game and for the museum. Absolutely. He came and met our group and like talked to us for a little bit. And, and I had met him once or twice before for sports logo stuff. That's cool. um, but then their digital marketing strategist is this woman, Kiana Sinks, mm -hmm. um, who 
just did such a spectacular job of telling the story of the Negro Leagues digitally during COVID, right? And yeah. keeping the keeping the museum front and center in front of people, um, you know. And so I had met her through Zoom, through some work things that she did. She spoke at one of our conferences for the association that I work for because she's an, a museum professional and there's a connection there. Right. But I just, you know, I was a huge fan of hers just from following her on Twitter and the work that she was doing telling the story of the museum. Getting to meet her in person was awesome. So so anyway, that was I realized it was a very long answer and I apologize for yeah. that. But it was, you know, the, the summer of traveling for baseball and getting to meet people in the industry, uh, meet friends who I've made. I mean, it's just such a great community of people out there and it's it's so much fun yeah yeah i agree i I mean i i hope to meet all those people at at some point um yeah i mean i've had eric on this podcast um and i i have reached out to baseball mappers and they're they're gonna come on at some point um so so there's some things in the works there um but but man that sounds awesome um, what was the best conce- concession item that you tried from your trips this year? So I have to say like this, the signature food moment from the trip was, was actually not at a baseball game. I'm, I'm sorry. So, okay. so I'll, I will answer your question. I'm not dodging your question, right. but the drive from Oklahoma city to the Northwest Arkansas, um, naturals, we go right through Tulsa. Okay. And I think it was. I think it was Anthony Bourdain's list of like the 13 places you have to eat before you die. Mm. Um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the uh, um, Oklahoma Joe's is what it's called. And it was just this unbelievable barbecue place. And um, we, uh, we went in and, you know, most of the guys just got like sandwiches or whatever, but one other guy on the trip, Scott, he and I split like this enormous like meat platter. It's like for two. It was really for like five, I think. Right. You know, we were like handing things out from it. So, so Oklahoma Joe's uh, was, you know, that w- that was probably the signature food moment. Um, but you know, knowing me, you know what my answer is going to be to this yep, question. I do the uh, the helmet Sundays. Uh, in particular, the Helmet Sunday at the Wichita Wind Surge. They mm-hmm. did a they did a good Helmet Sunday, um, but it was uh, actually the very best was the Northwest Arkansas Naturals Helmet Sunday, where the woman behind the con- the concession stand says, "Do you- <laughs> I ordered the Helmet Sunday?" And she's like, "Did you want me to make it just like a little you know, bigger?" <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know what you mean by that, but sure." Yeah. She hands me this ice cream helmet that I swear is just like overflowing. And of course it's a hundred degrees in, in Arkansas in August. Right. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, it immediately starts like melting down the sides. And so at the, I went like, I made it to the next concession stand and I had to go get like a tray basically like <laughs> give me a tray and I just turned the thing upside down and then it was fine from there. But it was like, it was, you know, just really good, like soft serve ice cream. There so you. that was, that, that would be my answer to that question. Okay. What was BJ Boyd on the team when you went and saw Wichita? I don't think so. I don't think he was on the team. Okay, so, yeah. so um, BJ Boyd played for the Beloit Snappers in two thousand fourteen. Okay, that was that's our year. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, yeah, and he. Made it all the way up to AAA with the Oakland A's and then decided that he was going to go back to college and try to play college football. And he did that for a season. And then 
um, wanted to get back into baseball um, and played for the Lancaster Barnstormers for like a handful of games and then got signed by the Twins. And so he was on Wichita for a while. I know that's where he started off um, this past season. Um, but then he got um, moved up to um, St. Paul. Saints. Okay. So, just I don't. Wondering. I don't recall that he was on the roster there when we were there. So it must have been because it was pretty late in the season that we were there. We were there in late August. Okay. Okay. So yeah, he, he might have been. He most likely, it was was with St. Paul by then. Okay. Um. So. I know we we briefly talked about it earlier, but how cool was it to meet some Twitter friends in real life? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, and it's it's actually sort of inspired more conversation about that right yeah like uh I, I know that we were talking about ed from the dad hat chronicles yep. uh who's going to be on your show you know in the forthcoming i'm going to be on his show oh you're going to be on his show All yeah right. well, i mean we'll probably swap too but yeah sure 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 but you're so you're going to be on ed's show yep. and and um you know he and i were i've never met him in person and we just got sort of chatting on twitter about uh you know seeing some games in colorado and so now we're talking about he and his, his his wife and his daughter are going to come visit in Colorado, and we're going to go see the um, the soon to be Northern Colorado Owls. Ooh, uh, Owls yep. with a Z used to be in Orem, but they're moving here next year to uh, just about twenty minutes away from me. That's cool. Uh, and then the Rockies, and then the Rocky Mountain vibes. And yeah. so you know that that conversation started because you know it's just you realize like you could do this right, like you can go meet these people who you interact with, and and uh, you know I mean. Uh, sitting there, sitting there with Eric and just chatting with him and with his, you know, his partner Karina, like he uh, he works at Gonzaga, yeah, and my son is applying to colleges, and he and my seventeen year old son sat there and talked for you know fifteen twenty minutes about applying for colleges and and what you know Gonzaga has and all that sort of thing, and so it's just like it's I would highly recommend it if you ever have the opportunity. I know that you know sometimes I'll see like these major league teams they'll have like I you know. Padres Twitter has a meetup at a certain part of their stadium at every home game, right? Yeah. Like, and so they all meet each other. And, and so, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. And I just, I love this community that's developing right now in the sort of, and I won't, I won't name the people in them because I'm sure I would leave someone out that I would feel bad about, but just like this, this community of minor league baseball fans that has developed, uh, that I feel like I'm, I'm part of now, mm -hmm. uh, is just so they're so supportive of each other and, yeah. and, you know, of minor league baseball and generally, which it's an odd thing to say about Twitter, but generally positive, right? Like there's not oh, yeah. a lot of negativity out there in minor league baseball Twitter that I see on a day-to-day -day basis. And maybe I sort of filter that out, but like for the most part, the people I follow are are largely, if not entirely, positive people with, you know, kind, fun things to say on Twitter instead right. of, you know, what you can see on other parts of Twitter. And that's and that's why Twitter is the elite social media platform. <laughs> so It's basically the only one I use in a real way, but, you know, but it, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, I know you're being funny, but it's like, you know, it can be, it can be a dark place in some corners, but... Uh, that's true. But, yeah, but it gives yeah, I mean, it's... it gives you the ability to f to follow who you want, filter out right. what you don't want. Um, right. I, I mean, Instagram is okay. Um, yeah, I've yeah. been I've been locked out of my Facebook and the <laughs> and and I don't miss it at all. The only thing yeah. it like, but f 
speaking from running teams social media mm-hmm. um twitter twitter's always been the best yeah. um in yeah. and still today like i still run like a commercial facebook account and instagram account and yeah. i still say twitter twitter is the elite social media platform yeah. so i haven't posted anything on facebook in years um i have an instagram account that i don't use that much i don't i don't even think i have you know certainly the 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 twitter the the, the social media platforms that the younger people are using the you know the the twitch and the tiktok and the oh yeah i don't have know, that either. i don't i don't have i don't even think i have accounts on those no so, i don't uh, and i realize that makes me sound incredibly old and i get that but uh <laughs> you know, it's... I I run part of my job is to run so, social media, and yeah. I don't I don't have a TikTok yeah. or yeah. anything like that. So hey, it is what it is. Um, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's just skip ahead. Um, I know we were talking about meeting Twitter friends, but you and yeah. I first met in real life. Um, we might have talked on the phone first and then met in real life. Um, so, so just, uh, I know you shared it on episode 11, um, <laughs> which that was, it, it's hard to believe that it was that long yeah. ago. Um, more than a year ago. Right? I know. Um, yeah. so for old time's sake, please yeah. tell the story how we met in a very cold press box on a opening day in Beloit, Wisconsin. I'll tell you, the press box was cold, but it wasn't as cold as outside the press box. That's true. <laughs> so this is, I'm so glad, like, honestly, I'm so glad that you asked me to tell this story because, and, and I, you know, I may bounce back to you, you know, we may bounce back and forth a little bit here because okay. you, know, you may have some details that you can fill in. But this is one of my, my very favorite stories to tell about, you know, any of the connections that I've made in, in minor league baseball. And so it was, it was opening day. This is hard to believe, right? It was opening day of 2014. Mm-hmm. in Beloit, Wisconsin. And you were brand new with the team. This was your first game with the Snappers, right? I so this was my second year with the Snappers, but so in in minor league baseball, you have to take positions that you don't really <laughs> want sometimes sure, and to sure. get my foot in the door the previous year, I I had no experience, um yeah. but I was director of food and beverage and okay. then they had let go of the person that was director of media relations and marketing, and yeah. that's that was my skill set. Um, so right. I I moved positions pretty seamlessly, right. actually. Um, so this was my first game behind the microphone, being the public address announcer. So you were so right. So this was your first your your first game in the new role. Yep. Um, and you know, I'm sure it felt like a new job to you, mm-hmm. and. And and I was still pretty new. I, you know, I had just started writing for sports logos basically earlier that year, mm-hmm. um, or maybe late 2013. But you know, regardless, I had written to you. I was going to be at a work conference. I'm still at the same, you know, with my same organization that I, you know, I've worked for I'll coming up on 20 years now. It's hard wow. to believe. Um, but I had I was at a conference in uh, in Illinois, and it was a short drive to get to you. Um, to Beloit and I found a night at the conference where I didn't have anything else going on and whenever I travel for work I always try to find a minor league baseball stadium to get to and especially when I'm you know if I'm traveling by myself I'll try to get a press credential and interview uh, you know someone from the front office or even a player or something like that for mm-hmm. various reasons 
And so, and so when I realized I was, you know, a couple hours from Beloit, it was going to be opening day. I remember I wrote to you and I said, I would love, you know, a press credential. I'd love to come interview a player and, you know, here's, here's who I am and who I write for. And you wrote back like almost immediately. You were like, sure. Yeah, great. You know? <laughs> I was just like, that's awesome. I love this. In, in um, my, in my mind, all press is, is good press basically, sure, absolutely, especially right, for, absolutely. you don't get a, you don't get a ton of, um, press credential requests in like april april 3rd <laughs> in beloit wisconsin so well and i was concerned because i knew that it was it was opening day right so and i just wasn't sure you know i i would not have been surprised if you had just ghosted me right like i mean i didn't know who you were right and so if, if i just hadn't got a gotten a response because it's opening day and like it was going to be a madhouse i would have understood right um so anyway uh, I get there, and like you said, you know we've we've referenced this. It's as cold as I've been at any baseball game in my life, right? Yeah. Like it was, it was April in Wisconsin, and it was. I mean, it couldn't have been. It it, it must have been in the twenties, right? Like the twenties or the thirties. I mean, because it was the highs. The highs were only in the forties that day, and so and here it is. It's dark. You know, it's still it's still dark at six o'clock at night at this point. So I got there. And I parked the car and I'm sort of, you know, in my mind, I'm like opening day and I'm picturing, you know, sunshine and, and, you know, like balloons and, and cotton candy and, you know, all this. And I get there and it's like maybe 150 people in the stands, right? Like maybe yeah, 150 people. Maybe. And they're all like wrapped up in blankets and there's like, like hardly any movement. And what I was doing at the time was when I would get press credentials, I'd hang out in the press box for like an inning or two. And then I would go out and sort of try to experience the, the game from the stands. Mm-hmm. And with this game, it was just so cold. I was just like, I, I, I tried it for like half an inning. I was just like, I'm going to go check out the, you know, the stands. And so I come back, I'm in the press box. We're hanging out. There was a, there was a reporter there who was covering the other team. And I, okay. for, I forget what her name was, but you know, she was, she, she clearly knew you and she clearly knew the industry and, and she was just, you know, doing her job. And, um, so, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm feeling like the newbie and I'm just like, I'm not quite sure where I'm supposed to be. And I remember one of my favorite things that you said was there was a, uh, there was a foul ball that went over the stadium and you played a glass crashing noise and you were supposed to do that with every foul ball. And then like the first inning, it happened maybe three times and you turned to me and you said, I'm doing that once per inning and that's it. (laughs) Cause it was like, it was you know, the, you probably remember it was a sponsored thing, right? It was, it was yeah, it was sponsored by Drevdal Auto Body. <laughs> um, so, I, I, I still have dreams, like, wake, waking up saying, that's another Drevdal Auto Body foul ball. <laughs> yeah, so. So, so anyway, it was the sixth inning, I can't remember if it was at the top or the bottom of the sixth inning, but it was coming up on the seventh inning stretch, and you sort of went just like, the blood just drained out of your face. Because you realized that the computer that had the audio file for Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which you were just going to play, you know, press play on a computer file, yep. was in the ticket sales office and you realized it late enough that there wasn't time to transfer the file or switch computers and there was an MC down on the field who you know basically you you radioed down to him and he radios back and he just says and I'm listening right like I'm just over on the side here listening and he says 
you're just gonna, you're just gonna have to sing it and the rest of the blood drained out of your face <laughs> yeah. you're like i am not singing take me out to the ball game no i'm very and, tone deaf so you did <laughs> you did me a favor but. well so i'm sitting there and i'm just like i was like i'll do it i figured i've sung this song a billion times right i'll sing take me out to the ball game no problem and you turn to me and you're like really and so here here i've gone from emailing you calling you you know dear mr coon like can we you know <laughs> and so, and then you know we, we sort of bonded over a few innings in the press box and and then you know it really you know i think the relationship was cemented when you turned to me and you're like yeah I, i've it's my first game as the media guy here for the Beloit Snappers, and I'm just going to hand you the microphone to do with as you please, uh, you know, for yep. the seventh inning stretch. And it was like, you know, was, there was this total like trust here between the two of us, and uh, and so sure enough, that and my I'll tell you my biggest regret was, I you know I was nervous, right? Like I mean, how many times have I sung the song? I was nervous, just as a complete failsafe, I brought the lyrics to take me out to the ball game up on my phone. I would have and it feels ridiculous thing. to say that out loud right now, but like I'm like, what if I flake? Like what if I, you know, to 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 flake on take me out to the ball game would I would I would never forgive myself. Yeah. And so my my biggest regret is that and and I wish I remember who the woman was who was covering the the opposing team in the press box there. She offered to record me singing it, you know, with her phone or with with my phone. And I was like, oh, no, thanks. Cause, and I didn't want to admit it's because I need my phone here because I got to take me out to the ballgame lyrics up. <laughs> I ended up not, you know, as soon as I was into it, it was fine. Yeah. And, you know, and then it was like, and in my head, right, like it's a stadium full of people singing along and they're just like, he has the voice of an angel. And, you know, and I'm sure in reality, it was very much just like you got some claps. freezing cold people who, yeah. you know, just, yeah. I remember the MC down on the field sort of gave like a thumbs up or something at the end of it. So <laughs> but that... the, um, the, the MC and I still talk every day because oh, nice. he, he works for the same insurance company that I do. And we, okay. we can message each other. We can message anybody that works in the company, but like we still talk every single day about about Beloit, about insurance, about our families. I still talk That's to him awesome. every day. Yeah. His name's Bill. That's fantastic. <laughs> well I remember I remember him just saying to you like you're gonna have to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Well that was uh, that was pretty much half of working in Beloit, just figuring things out. <laughs> figure it out. Well well it's it's funny because it's I mean I mean I always make it sound more glamorous than it, it surely was, but it was just like getting to tell people I, I led the crowd and take me out to the ball game on opening day at a Beloit Snappers baseball game. There we go. <laughs> That's, it's one of my favorite stories, and I'm so glad you asked me to tell it again. <laughs> Do you plan to visit the new ABC Supply Stadium? I definitely want to. Yeah. Uh, I have a buddy who lives in Milwaukee, Howard. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've visited him a couple of times for, you know, various reasons, usually work-related. Um, and so he and I have... We actually went to a Beloit Snappers game, my, my second Snappers game, still at the old stadium. Yep. Um, we got picked out of the field to run uh, dressed as mattresses. It was sponsored Ooh. by the Beloit Mattress Company. Yep. And they put you in this, like, disgusting, like, it's, like, literally a mattress that they just made into a costume. Yes. And then we had to race each other on the field. So the two times I've been to Beloit, I got to sing the, uh, the, the Take Me Out to the Ball Game and race as a mattress on the field. All right. Um, so, Yeah. And in fact, we are planning our next uh, baseball palooza trip. 
Okay. And there's there's a couple different you know possibilities for for where we might go, but one of them I've been you know I love when the when the the schedules come out because you know I can start planning these trips. I have literally you know six or seven different trips planned in August of 22, nice. based on you know the schedules that have already come out. Right. But one of the possibilities would be uh, on the weekend uh, of August 11 to 14. That's a Thursday to a Sunday, which we normally do. Mm-hmm. We could do the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, the Beloit Snappers, the Iowa Cubs, and the St. Paul Saints. And then the Quad City River Bandits are actually home there as well. So we might oh. swap one of those out for the River Bandits. Okay. If we choose the Wisconsin-Minnesota trip, right? Like there's there's a New York trip. There's a Massachusetts trip. There's one in Louisville and Indiana. There's one in Alabama. There's a Pacific Northwest one. So there's all sorts of possibilities where we might end up in Baseball Palooza. But okay. if it's it, Beloit is actually one of the possibilities to get to the new stadium. Uh, so so yeah, I'd love to see the new stadium. Yeah, I I really want to go back. Um, I've had Quint Studer on this podcast, um, yeah. and he has invited me. Um, so, and I may be able to put in a word for you to see if you can sing the, take me out to the ball game at a, that would be incredible. At a new stadium. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. I'll let me, let me know. And I'm, All and, right. and, and oddly enough, um, another guy that used to cover the team, like as a writer is now, I think he's their merchandise coordinator. Okay. Um, so, so I, ha- I have some, some people still there, um, that I can put in a word. Well, that, that would be genuinely incredible to, to, to revisit Beloit and get to sing, take me out to the ball game again, this time in August, this time in short sleeves. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I still might call the lyrics up on my phone just to be absolutely sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would do the same thing, honestly. So, um, so speaking of Beloit, the new stadium, yeah. what do you think the new name for the for the Beloit team should be? So I, I'm really intrigued by the fact that they had five names, they were getting ready for a rebrand, and you know they were. It's it's very intriguing to me that they pushed back the rebrand by a year, right around the same time that you know, Major League Baseball sort of inflicted their major reorganization and, you know, cutting of teams from minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that Boyd has a new stadium and they they were not one of the teams that was cut, I look at what had this is a roundabout answer to this question, right? But the Appalachian League, Major League Baseball was directly involved with nine of the ten rebrands in the Appalachian League. Yeah. The one that they were not involved with, the uh, Burlington Sock Puppets worked with Dan Simon okay. um, on on their new brand. And so you'll notice that most, with the exception of the Danville Otterbots, most of the, the new brands in the Appalachian League are pretty conservative, right? They're not this, they're not the sort of brandiose wacky that, you know, a lot of the teams, you know, have come out with sure. recently. And I think that that's Major League Baseball's influence. I could be entirely wrong on this. So I, in my mind, the fact that right when that reorganization happened, Beloit pushed their rebrand back by a year makes me wonder if Major League Baseball got involved and said, we want you to do something a little less wacky than mm-hmm. the cheese balls or the 
polka pike or the moo or the supper clubbers or you know so um so if it is one of those five names that they uh, that they put out um you know way back when you know like a year and change ago i think it might be the sky carp okay um but i you know if it's if it's not I really liked the supper clubbers, supper clubbers out of uh, out of that list as well. I I'm pulling for the supper clubbers just because yeah. it's such a micro local um, yeah. thing. Um, yeah. Any anybody out of the state of Wisconsin don't know doesn't know what a supper club is, right? Um, right. And it's they're awesome. I mean, it, like we used to have like team like. Um, dinners and stuff like that at, at one of my clients um, who was a supper club, um, the Butterfly Club. Shout out to the Butterfly yeah. Club. Nice. Um, and buzz marketing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just it's it's got it's got like a family atmosphere. Um, it's got a, they usually have small menus, great drinks. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just. It's just one of those things, like, and you you go, and and they're usually small, right? So, like, you go and you sit at the bar, and um, the ones that I've been to, they have enormous bars because people wait for the tables to open. Um, They're they're really not in a hurry to, like, go eat. So they just sit there, have a couple drinks, and then they sit down and eat. Um, So I... I love supper clubs, um, and I just think it would—it's kind of a wacky name, and it brings like a national national attention to to supper clubs, which right nobody knows what they are. So, which sounds awesome. I didn't know what they were. I mean, yeah. you can sort of like intuit it a little bit, right? But right, it sounds awesome. It sounds great. So I would, I'd be in favor of that. I don't know, you know, does Sky Carp actually mean something to the local population there? I, you know, I don't have any idea. No. Um, so, so you know, I I liked Snappers as a name. I did too. Um, yeah. You know, I I remember when we first talked about the logo, and you told me it was the 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 cousin of the general manager at the time, twenty five yeah. years ago, and and I'm, that guy and I have since connected on Twitter. His oh. name is Chris Kretz. Yes, uh, yes. And so yeah, and so he and I have you know sort of connected on that, and I know he's sad to see the the old Snappers brand go. Um, I think, I mean, I understand the sort of financial implications of bringing in a new brand and, you know, the, the support that they need for the new stadium uh, with the new brand. I, I get that, and I don't, you know, I don't begrudge them rebranding. I think they could have gotten away with, you know, basically updating, you know, re revisiting Snappy. I do, and, I do too, yeah. Yeah. Um, so That, that logo aged incredibly well since 96 it did yeah for a 25 year old logo right it, it hung in there you know there's a lot of there's a lot of logos that are from the 1990s that look like they were done on microsoft paint and, right you know did not did not as you say did not age well exactly he didn't even he didn't even get paid for that all he did was he got he got a bunch of merch for it <laughs> i love that part of the story i know <laughs> <laughs> I think from what if I I just talked to Dennis Connerton not too long ago, a couple months ago, yeah. um, and he said that Steve Kratz is the guy that was the general manager at the time. Okay. He he works, and I met him um, at George Spelius's, 
um, like retirement banquet, um, yeah. and and sadly at his funeral as well. Um, oh. But um, Steve Kretz now he's some bigwig for Anheuser Busch. I don't. No kidding. Yeah, so I, I think uh, he I think he lives in St. Louis now. So. Um, huh. But, I feel like Anheuser Busch should just sponsor the new stadium, and then they could keep the old logo. I know, I know. Yeah. Who do we talk to about this? <laughs> Steve Gretz. That's who we talk to. Yeah, about this. exactly. <laughs> so, before we get into the listener questions, um, oh, yeah. can you give a description of your book and where people can find it? Yeah, sure. I, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. It's, Absolutely. Um, I've been writing for SportsLogos.net for. Uh, well, since basically since 2014, mm-hmm. and what I did for most of five years there was um, I wrote a series called The Story Behind the Nickname, and I would just call up people like you uh, <laughs> who worked for minor league baseball teams, and I would just say, hey, could you tell me the story of you know why you're called what you're called? And I, what I found pretty early on was that you know a lot of these a lot of minor league baseball teams have names that on the surface kind of look like they're just wacky for wacky's sake, right? Like mm-hmm. the Chihuahuas, the Iron Pigs, the Rubber Ducks, right? Like a lot of these you know a lot of these teams have have these names that just seem really goofy, just for goofy the the sake of being goofy, right? And what you learn when you talk to folks is there are usually hyper local connections yeah. to why they're called what they're called. Um, really unique stories that you wouldn't necessarily guess. Um, you know, even the Albuquerque isotopes, right, who were named after a Simpsons episode, still have the connection to Sandia Laboratories, right, mm-hmm. and, like, the scientific community in Albuquerque. Um, one of my favorites is always the uh, the, uh, um, the the Rumble Ponies. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to say Birmingham Rumble Ponies, and I'm like, it's not the Birmingham, it's the yeah, Binghamton, Binghamton Rumble Ponies, yeah. um, who... Binghamton, New York, is the carousel capital of the world, right? Yep. Like they have all these old carousels there. Um, the uh, Hartford Yard Goats. Yard Goats is a is a railroad industry term, and you know they flipped it on its head and turned it into an actual goat based logo, right? right? Like so, these stories are all just so much fun to tell and to understand how minor league baseball teams got their names. And I developed this this sort of working theory that you could tell the story of America by understanding why minor league baseball teams had their names. Um, and so I just found that, that everyone in baseball was really open and welcoming about answering questions and taking time on the phone. And the designers, you know, the, the guys from Brandios, uh, Jason from Brandios in particular, uh, Dan Simon with Studio Simon, Todd Radom, uh, who's done a lot of work at both the major league and the minor league level. Yeah. Um, super nice people and super fun to talk to and, and super fun to learn. And I know so much stuff i've learned so much stuff that i never thought i would know about all these corners of the country just by virtue of researching miley baseball team names yeah. and so after a certain amount of time um i realized i had enough of these to actually like just put in a compendium just put them all together in one book and in fact i had too many to fit in one book so there are about 30 that didn't make it into the printed book that are in the kindle version um so so anyway that's okay. the book you can find it on Amazon. Uh, you can find it on Kindle. It's just the story behind the nickname, and uh, and then there's a subtitle that's something along the lines of a hundred articles about 
wacky minor league baseball. That's not the actual sub. I can never remember the subtitle. <laughs> it was three years ago that I put it together. <laughs> but it's the title of the book is the story behind the nickname. Okay, awesome. And I and I did say in the intro I made the cut. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know you were featured prominently in the Beloit yes. snappers article because that was there was a lot of information there there was a lot yeah. of stuff i did not know about beloit and the connection to turtles and yeah. like the the turtle society at the local university and yeah. the turtle mounds that were that were built in the area by the uh, the native population historically mm-hmm. so there's you know there i i just thought you were going to tell me hey there's turtles in the river right but you you know you had a a, a huge amount of knowledge that was really valuable to that story. So yeah, you are, you're, you're quoted a number of times in that, in that article. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, and then I did want to touch Todd Radham is also like one of the most interesting people, like another person I could talk to like yep. for forever. Um, yeah. I, I met him at a, at a conference in St. Louis. Um, okay. and, and yeah, just he has so many awesome stories. It's in, incredible. I might <laughs> have to get him to come on the podcast sometime. Uh, he'd be a great guest to have on the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's he's one of these guys who is exactly the same whether he's because I know he's he's a weekly guest on Buster Olney's Baseball Tonight podcast, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you know he sounds exactly the same on that podcast as he does just on the phone one on one, right? I mean, yeah. He's just super nice guy, and he. He designed one of my my very favorite uh, logos, which is the Brooklyn Cyclones. Yes, um, that's a terrific minor league baseball logo. Um, and then even one that didn't necessarily get a, a great reception right away. I think more because of the name than the um, than the logo itself. The Wichita Wind Surge on our on our um, road trip, we went into that stadium and like the branding, the way they've done that is amazing. And oh. like. Okay. I wanted to buy everything in that store. I, I was just thinking because I I liked the the logo right away. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I was predisposed to like it because I respect Todd's work and, um, you know, and I think yeah. he's you know I I just I really enjoy talking to him and he's always so generous with his time and 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 so I think people didn't respond immediately to the wind surge name mm-hmm. but the logo i think is terrific and i yeah. you know i i went in there and sort of unloaded on the on the team store and all the guys on the trip did too like everyone left with something with the wind surge logo okay. from that store cool. um and so you know i was i was really glad about that you know as i realized seeing it sort of in situ definitely it, it's it's working for them and i think it's you know i think it's well done yeah i i certainly agree Um, we already touched on this a little bit. Let's go to some um, some listener questions. Glenn um, wrote, "What do you think of the Beloit rebrand with the massively delayed announcement?" Um, and then in parentheses, he put uh, COVID contraction and now supply issues and the continued resistance to needed change. Uh, second question: See you in Jacksonville. Is, is Bobby coming? 
Well, so as you know, Glenn is uh, he is is was the ringleader on this uh, get together in Montana, and he he uh, he is agitating for a similar get together this year in Jacksonville um, at the at a jumbo strip game. So it's um, you know I I, I I enjoy Glenn's spirit and the uh, the the camaraderie he's been instilling in, in this group. Um, in terms of Beloit, yeah, we did talk about it a little bit. I do think that the delay, and I could be proved wrong. I could be proved wrong if they come out and it's Supper Clubbers or, or Skycarp. Um, my, my theory on that is, like I said, that Major League Baseball got involved and wanted something, um, you know, a little more conservative. I believe that Brandiosa is, is still involved with that. Yeah. But Brandiosa has done some, you know, they've done some some logos that aren't, you know, as as wacky as the ones we associate with them. Right. right. Like, so, so my my theory is that they started from scratch, okay, uh, because Major League Baseball got involved. So okay. that's my that's my answer to that question. Okay. Um, and Jason, I don't know if he pronounces Bone or Bon. Um, he actually sent me a nice care package from from the last game in Beloit. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, so. Um, he asked, what's the most interesting thing he's seen or eaten out of a helmet? So I, I saw this question from Jason come in. Um, Jason and I have been following each other for a while. I uh, always, always enjoy Jason's insight on Twitter. Um, I wonder, I, I'm curious as to whether that's his real name or if it's a play on Jason Bourne or not. Ooh. So, uh, maybe uh, hopefully Jason will hear this and he'll, he'll answer that question. Yeah. Uh, that's my question right back to you, Jason. Um, <laughs> But uh, the the Rockies, and I'm actually going to a Rockies game tomorrow night as we record this here. Ooh, okay. Um, the Rockies do something called the Elote Tots, which is um, basically like tater tots. It's in a it's in a slightly larger. It's a size that I've only seen at the Coors Field. It's like a three quarter size helmet. It's not quite the full size one, and it's not the slightly oversized one that you sometimes see you know, tater tots or something in, but it's like a three quarter size helmet. I've only ever seen this size at Rockies games. They load it up with tater tots and then it's, they, they fill it with basically like, like corn and this sort of like creamy, it's like a Mexican dish. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's some corn and some other vegetables and it's got this amazing sauce on it. And I know it's meant for more than one person to share, but I usually will just get one myself cause they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is my that that is the most interesting thing I've eaten out of a helmet. Okay. I have to say, and I, this may be controversial, and I'm sorry for this. I don't think nachos at ballparks are very good. Ooh. Oh, oh man! Like, <laughs> I I, 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 I do. You're going to be like, thank you. I agree. No, I, I so I went to a um, Milwaukee Brewers game and. Okay. They have they have like the three quarter size helmet as well, okay. Um, okay. and I got the best nachos I've ever had okay. in in said helmet. Um, it's actually okay. it's actually sitting to my left. Um, I you know like I I like keep my keys in it and that that sure, kind of sure, stuff. Sure. Like this is my man cave, so uh, yeah. you know. Um, and so they had like the the best like chips, and then it was beef. I got beef, chicken, and buffalo chicken, wow. and I was in pain eating that <laughs> that much nachos. Um, but they were so good. Um, well, so I'm, 
I'd be happy to be proved wrong on that because okay. I mean my experience has usually been you get like the the like cadmium yellow like cheese on it with a couple of you know cold jalapenos and then that's sort of it um so uh, you know I'm I'd, I'd love to be proved wrong on that but the, the, usually if I'm gonna buy a helmet with something in it nachos is like the one thing I I, I just steer clear of at stadiums okay. games. What take a- me to Pueblo Viejo in Fort Collins and I'll get nachos there okay what other foods are acceptable in helmets? So, I, my theory here is that anything served in a helmet is automatically improved by being served in a helmet. Um, I agree. So, cheese fries, the tater tot thing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm happy to go sweet or savory in the helmet. Okay. Um, even, even, you know, nachos, which I don't think are that great at ballparks in general. This is, I feel like this is, going to be deeply controversial on <laughs> uh, but nachos even if they're not that good to begin with they're better are because slightly they're better in a helmet yeah so my theory is that pretty much anything you put in a helmet is made better by being in a helmet um yeah. i'll get some cheese fries and like chili cheese fries what if they served poutine in a helmet at a Montreal Expos game? Oh. That would be amazing, huh? Would that be the experience to end all experiences? That would be amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh! There was a bar in in Beloit, um, the Rock is is what it's called. They actually had poutine on the menu. Um, oh. So oh, so good, amazing. Yeah, we've got one place here in Fort Collins that does as well. But I'm just you know, I associate poutine with Montreal. Maybe I right. I, and I'm not you know I'm not a native. I just know I love poutine whenever I have the, the chance to have it. Sure, absolutely. Um, let's see here. What other questions did we have? If you were on a deserted island, what <laughs> five ice cream helmets would you want with you? This is from Johnny Bolin? Ballin? Yeah. Okay. Johnny Johnny is uh, one of the all-time good guys out there. Just one of the... He's, Johnny has, has sent... Every once in a while, I go to the mailbox, and people just purely out of the goodness of their heart, because they 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 think that I'll enjoy something or they know that I'll enjoy something, they'll just pop something in the mail to me, and like it'll just be a surprise. And Johnny is one of these all-time nice guys who has has just he's just said, hey, you know, look out for your mailbox, you know, because some stuff is coming. And you know, three or probably three or four different times, uh, I've gone to the mailbox, and there's been a you know a, a sort of baseball-esque care package from Johnny. So Johnny, Johnny, I've pronounced it Bolin. I've never heard him say his name in person. So okay. um, it, he's another Twitter friend who I uh, def, you know definitely want to meet sometime. So you said you got your keys in your three-quarter size Brewer's helmet. Yep. Um, I have uh, all of my uh, fast food condiments in my Rockies three-quarter okay. size helmet. So I think there I would need go. that one with me. Okay. Um, yep. But I think the you know the the sense of this question is you know what are your favorite your five favorite helmets, um, and so that's that's a really hard one, but one has to be the light blue Phillies helmet with the maroon P on it. Yeah. In part because that's the that's one I remember posting a picture of a hat that looked like that like a, just a regular old dad hat and said man I'd love it if the Phillies had a helmet like this. And then literally, like, months later, they did. I'm not claiming credit for it, Ooh. but it was amazing to you me. Sh- that they you should. But... Um, so that one, because I love that story. And again, you know, I've got a lot of different team helmets here. But the maroon Phillies one, that was my very first ice cream helmet. It, You know, I got it as a kid. Don't know when I got it. You know, it just came from Veteran Stadium. 
and lived on my shelf with you know all of my random junk that lived on my shelf for for many many years right. that's like the first helmet that's like the the the, the highlight of the collection um uh chicago cubs 100 years of wrigley field helmet Ooh. which i got at wrigley yep. and it was the sort it was the one where i sort of looked at it and thought these things would be fun to collect wouldn't they uh and so that one just because it sort of started the collection yep um and then any of a number of these minor league, um, this i would give you a different answer you know on every any given night when you ask this question um but probably lehigh valley iron pigs because it's you know it's my the my phillies it's their triple a team yep and then for whatever reason like one of my favorite helmets is um the Asheville Taurus, like this sort of light blue Asheville Taurus one. Yeah. Just a great logo on a great, you know, uniquely colored helmet. So, but again, ask me this question again tomorrow and I'd probably give you five different helmets. Okay. I mean, at least three or four of them might be different. Did you, did you get any new ones this, this summer with your travels? I'm sure yeah, I don't want to get anyone in trouble here, but um, uh, all of the stadiums that had them, the, 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 First of all, none of the Pioneer League teams had them. Oh, And the Lake Elsinore Storm did not have them. Mm. Um, But in the travels, I got got Wichita Wind Surge, who I needed. Um, At the Oklahoma City Dodgers, I was, we had gone out to dinner at a a brew pub before dinner and, or before the game, and I was completely stuffed. And I was, I didn't know what I was going to do about this because they had three different helmets. Oh, Um, man. They had a, a white one, a pink one, and a blue one with different logos on them. Okay. And I was just, man... So I walked up to towards the end of the game. I walked up to the ice cream stand, and I was just like, "You know, I don't, I don't need three helmet Sundays, but I collect the helmets." Before I could even finish the question, the girl working behind the ice cream stand just goes, "Tink, tink, tink!" three right in a row and hands them to me. Huh. And I was just like, "Holy smokes!" <laughs> and so I hope I don't get anyone at the Oklahoma City Dodgers in trouble with that. But she just gave me the helmets. Hey. Um, but then, you know, one of my very favorites, and see, now I'm thinking maybe this is one of the ones that comes with me on the desert island, um, the Kansas City Monarchs, yeah. that, you know, they they rebranded from the Kansas City T-Bones to mm-hmm. the Monarchs with the blessing of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Right. And the Baseball Museum still owns the rights to that name, the Monarchs. Yeah. Um, and so they're allowing the team to use it. Their helmets which they don't serve ice cream in, they just sell them in their store. Okay. Um, that has the the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum logo on the back of it. Oh, and that's cool. So that's so that's a really cool helmet. I really okay. like that one a lot. All right. So, wow. All right. Yeah. Awesome. And then I should I'd be remiss if I didn't say ton of trades. There's a bunch of guys out there who trade helmets. Um, okay. You know, men men and women I should say who trade helmets, and uh, you know we've it's been an active trading season. It's been really fun, and nice. so. Uh, there's probably like seven or eight different people who I've I've traded with, some of them more than once this summer. Okay, awesome. Uh, we do have one more um, listener question. This is from Mike Sellers. Yeah. Um, since you're a logo guy, what do you think is the most overrated and most underrated logos in minor league baseball? For me, off the top of my head, I'd say Rocket City for overrated in oh. San Antonio for underrated. Um, I had so I had not seen this question from Mike here. He's putting me on the spot here. So he he uh, he sent it to my Google Voice um, n- number that I you know the two o two seven nine six tarp. 
he that's where he sent it to. So okay, um, I think. Well, so so everyone knows. I hopefully I've I've said this you know enough in in in, in all the various platforms. Any team that is named for its parent club, I don't care how good your logo is. Um, it's it's not unique to your community. I agree. And so, you know, I heard a lot of people talking about when we were there how much they liked the Oklahoma City Dodgers logo. And as much as I like the uh, maybe maybe the quality of the design of it, and it was, you know, they had versions of it that had, like, the Oklahoma State outline and all that, um, I just I just don't think, I think there's a cap, there's a C-plus cap right there. You can't get above a C-plus if you're named for your parent club. I agree, yeah. Um, underrated logos, um, God, there's so many of them, right? There's so, so many of them. The one that I think should get more attention than it does um, maybe because it's it's older, maybe because it's not from one of the big design firms, but I would love. I think that the Portland Sea Dogs uh, deserve, you know, they deserve a place high up with, uh, you know, sort of the minor league baseball glitterati here for uh, the, the quality of that logo. And I'm not a Red Sox fan. I don't have any, uh, any stake you know, I don't have any uh, a dog in that fight, as yeah. it were. Um, but I, you know, I, I, to me, the Portland Sea Dogs just are like classic minor league baseball logo. Okay, okay. I'm trying to think off the top of my head here. Um, hmm. I can't think of like a like a unique, overrated logo. Um, and you know, as someone who writes about these teams and and you know needs to maintain a professional relationship with, <laughs> right. with them. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I would have necessarily one that I'd put out there, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Over, overrated is tough because I just love, right. I love, I get, I get that there's a lot of like hype around the trash pandas. Yeah. Um, you know, some of these other sort of new teams that are out there. Um, you know, another underrated one is the Montgomery Biscuits. Yes. I think the Montgomery Biscuits were ahead of their time. I uh, I agree. And um, on episode 11, we did like a, a draft or a Mount Rushmore of our favorites, and Montgomery Biscuits were on mine. So, yeah. 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 It's an underrated... It, I, it, it was... It was not appreciated, I think, in its time, including by me, right? Like, I'm like, what am I looking at here? Yeah. And in retrospect, I'm like, I feel like the Montgomery Biscuits, sort of like the Carolina... Oh, the Carolina Mudcats is another underrated one. That, right? that one is underrated. I agree. Yeah. That's a great logo, and you never hear people talking about it. Yeah. Um, so, good question by Mike there. That's... Uh, I, I, I definitely I, think there's, you know... You hear about certain ones all the time. You know, you hear the yard goats and the yeah isotopes and the, i think uh, that the williamsport cross cutters is oh, yeah. underrated um that's yeah. my hometown team yeah um yeah and if you don't know the history of williamsport again mm-hmm. that's that's why you wrote the book um right. and if you don't know the history it's it's slept on I'll, truly I'll, I'll say it like truly. that so yeah because they had all sorts of interesting because you know the the lumber industry there created such wealth in that part of the country yeah right? like that they were 
you know, they, 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 they looked at a nickname like the millionaires. I mean, they had some like, these like monopoly figures. Well, the high, the high school is their mascot is the millionaires. Is it the millionaires? Okay. That's probably why that's sticking out. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's, that's a fascinating story of like that part of the country, uh, the Clinton Lumber Kings have sort of a a similar history as well, right? That part of the country sort of followed a similar arc. Um, but the crosscutters, that's a, you know, that's a good, good pull by you right there. I like that. Yeah. Um, there's those big, enormous houses are still there. And like they're they're old now, and it, it's just yeah. it's it's amazing. Um, the stadium's yeah. old, so um, yeah. I mean yeah. the, the stadium's over a hundred years old. So yeah. um, but it's got its own cool history, right? Exactly. Uh, you know. Yeah. And so. you know, hundred year old stadium probably would need upgrades of some sort along the way, but and they still um, host a major league baseball game every year. So exactly, exactly, yeah. and they were. You know, they've got a place in my heart, right? Because they're they were affiliated with the Phillies anyway, right? So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. All right. Um, so we are recording this on Monday night, September twenty seventh. Um, we we're actually into the Eagles Cowboys game right now. It is tied at seven seven. Um, okay. So how do you think the Eagles will do tonight? We're both we're both Philly fans. We're both Eagles fans. So we we both showed up to this podcast in Eagles gear too yes. here. So this is I've, I've never worn anything but minor league baseball stuff uh, during one of these interviews. So it's uh, this is a first for me. Um, well, you know, you probably share this, right? Like as a Philadelphia sports fan, I just I live in a constant state of pessimism, right? Like <laughs> yeah. watching the Phillies get shut out by the Pirates yesterday was the most Philadelphia sports thing that you know, you could possibly imagine. Yep. Um, and so, I, you know, I assume that that seven points that the Eagles have already is the, like the most that they're going to have. <laughs> that, that's, that's where they're going to cap out at this game. How they got that seven points. I don't know yet. Cause you and I have been talking right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, it's, I, I have to be careful at you know what I say here because future us is going to look back on this and be like, ah, we didn't. Little did we know that this was about to happen, right? Um, but I just think you know, I I think coming off sort of a disappointing offensive showing last week against uh, San Francisco, I just you know I'm I'm I don't I don't have a real strong positive feeling that they're going to win in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being pessimistic is a is a Philly way of life. Um, <laughs> until the until the clock struck zero um i did not think we were going to win that super bowl i mean who would have i mean we're playing with our backup quarterback um we're playing against tom brady like everybody in the world when tom brady got the ball back with five points and two five points down and two minutes to go everyone in the world knew the end of that story right yeah. like when brandon graham forced that fumble it was just like whoa how did that happen right like <laughs> so it's you know again i'm you know i don't know football like i do minor league baseball i'm you know i follow the phillies a lot more closely than i do the eagles right but you know it, that was that was one of those special nights where just like how you know how tom brady could have an offensive performance like he had against the eagles backup quarterback Yep. and have the ball with two minutes to go down five points and the Eagles still win the Super Bowl that seems impossible I know, it seems impossible. I know. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, I predict that the Eagles lose uh, 28 to 7 okay alright 
I hope that that doesn't happen. I always Me have too. I always have hope, but um, all right. So can I, can I say one more thing? I, yeah. I, two more things. If yeah. we're talking predictions, uh, the most Philadelphia thing ever would be for the Phillies to sweep the Braves uh, in the next three games and then lose because they drop two out of three to the Marlins. Uh, okay. you know, they miss the playoffs because they, they drop, you know, they get swept by the Marlins in Miami, something like that. And before we go, I really want to say that one of the things that I, I so enjoy about talking to you is that I absolutely love your mayor of Easttown accent, which is like, it's, it's perfect. I feel like I'm home with all my extended family here with, because, and I don't, you, I don't know if you hear it in yourself, but I've absolutely been, been loving just, I feel like I'm watching mayor of Easttown right now with that, like that, you know, I mean, I realize you're from, from, from Delaware and not Pennsylvania, but no, I am from Pennsylvania. You are from Pennsylvania. Yeah. I'm I'm from Williamsport. Oh, you you said that you said yeah. you're from Williamsport. I'm sorry. Well, it's just like the like I grew up in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, where Mayor of Easttown is actually set, right? Like, okay. and it's just you know, just like hearing, 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 hearing the accent that you have. Uh, just, I just, I feel like I'm at home right now. It's, uh, <laughs> well, thank so I, you. I want you to know I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Um, when I was living in Wisconsin, people said all the time that I had a East Coast accent. And I was oh, yeah. like, I was like, I don't yeah. even know what that means, but nope. um, yeah, um, it's no, it's very distinctive. It's not East Coast, and even like even in the Rocky movies, right? They couldn't get the Philadelphia accent, right? right. They thought it was like a little miniature Brooklyn, yeah. And it's uh, it's not like the Philly accent is a, such a specific thing, yeah. and uh, I mean, know, my my mom says water, so yeah. Um, oh yeah, my parents both say water. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were at the we were at the Jersey Shore this summer. We go for two weeks every summer, and. Uh, there was this this little like couldn't have been more than like you know five or six year old girl, and my daughter Maya and I were walking towards the the water to go into the ocean, and this little girl's walking back up. She's got like a little shovel and a little bucket, and you know she's been playing in the sand, and she goes, "Mommy, can we go into the water?" <laughs> <laughs> and my daughter and I both just started cracking up because it was so great. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, Paul, where can the folks find you on social media? So, you know, the main thing is count to the number two, count to baseball. Um, I do have a Facebook page that I actually still maintain in the off season. It's called countdown to spring training. Mm -hmm. Um, and it has literally 10 times more followers than my Twitter account does because it's, you know, it's, it's Facebook for one thing. Right. But all I do on that page is I, I count the number of days until spring training starts. And once you get into double digits, I count by using the uniform number of a player whose number corresponds to okay. the number of days left. So nice. 99 will be Mitch Williams day, that sort of thing. Okay. Awesome. So, but if you want to interact with me in any real way, count to baseball on Twitter is where I live. All right. Perfect. And you've been on the podcast before, you know how every episode ends. What has been your favorite walk-up song you've heard at a minor league baseball game and whose was it? So I actually love this story. I was um, I was at the then the Lakewood Blue Claws, and there was this this player, this big guy who it was a high Phillies draft pick. I mean, it's the you know such a Phillies thing, right? This high Phillies draft pick who was just a power hitter who flamed out, you know, in the minor leagues. Is it Larry Green? Larry Green. <laughs> 
So Larry, was, Larry's a great guy. Larry's a great guy. I mean, it was so nice to talk to, right? Yeah. Just like absolutely just pleasure to talk to. But when when he uh, when he went up to bat, first of all, his the nameplate on his locker didn't have the E on the end of green. Uh, and and so it just said Larry Green, you know, G R E E N and yep. without the E. And I'm like, Larry, they spelt your name wrong on your nameplate. And he says, Yeah, I tried to get them to fix it, but yeah, they couldn't. I'm like, What do you mean they couldn't? Like, he was just like he was a first rounder. <laughs> <laughs> so nicest guy, just like you know, just the absolute just pleasure to talk to. So like humble and you know just you know generous with his time. But I asked him during the game, I was like, Why in the world was your walk up song "Let It Go" from Frozen? And he says, yeah, he says, I told them what, you know, I wanted for my walk-up song, but they think it's funny to play Let It Go. (laughs) So, so here's this big dude absolutely crushes the ball when he makes contact, you know, you know, couldn't hit a curveball, flamed out of the minors. I really wish that he had made it because, you know, I so enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, me too. Um, But, but Larry Green's Let It Go for the Lakewood Blue Claws was, you know, that, that's my favorite walk-up song story. Awesome, awesome. That's a great one. Larry, Larry is a great guy. He played for the Williamsport Crosscutters, um, yeah. and it was so funny. Like, so he had just gotten married. He was eighteen years old. Um, yeah. married his high school sweetheart, um, oh. and they got pregnant when they were in Williamsport. Um, okay, and he had to. She she came to the field like during practice because. Yeah he they just brought one car and it was like a lifted like i don't even know what it was like let's just say like a ford like f350 like yeah and you see this little tiny person of of his (laughs) wife drop out of this thing um and and she had just found out she was pregnant and he she went and got the checkbook from him and i was like what what's she doing why does she need the checkbook and he's like he's like she's gotta go get an, she's gotta go get a car she he's like he's like i'm not having my pregnant wife drop like just drop out of my ford f-350 that's lifted like he's like she's gotta go See, get something else this is the sort of insight that you bring to the the podcasting <laughs> world and so i think this is just you know if this is the service you're you're giving to the minor league baseball community by by having stories like that at your disposal. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Paul, and I appreciate you coming on the show with such short notice. Really appreciate it, and um, you know maybe we can have you on for a third time at some point. Well, I hope so. Seventy-one episodes would be probably you know another seventy-one episodes would probably be what like uh, late you know or maybe early twenty twenty-three. So yeah. uh, hopefully. We'll catch a game together somewhere before that yeah, happens. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll always stay in touch, I'm sure. So um, thank you thank you again, Paul. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Bobby. This was a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. I love the podcast, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you, man. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. You've listened to the Pulling Tart Podcast. 
distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.